Thanks for coming to hang out with us today. Rug Up Buttercup is a podcast hosted by Deployed Love. We chat about real things that military families deal with and help you to love the call to action. So you know the drill. Rug Up Buttercup. everybody welcome back to rock up buttercup we are so excited to have you guys here on the podcast again and back to school is still going i know some people started weeks ago i know as a homeschool mom i started a month ago and there's still some of you that are kind of coming in in the next week or so but today like we had promised last episode we're going to be talking a little bit more about homeschool as it's kind of become a little bit more prevalent in our society yeah so we have a special guest today she has her very own homeschool podcast, a military homeschool podcast. Um, our guest today is Crystal Niehoff, and she also has a really impressive resume. So I'd love to take a moment and like say hi, and then um, if you could give us a little bit of a background on like what you've done in the military community, a little about yourself and how you started the podcast. Sure thing. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. A little nervous, <laughs> but I'm excited to be here. I'm an active duty army chaplain's wife, mom of five and grandma to five, but I just found out we have one on the way. So soon to be six. That's exciting. <laughs> so I, I love that it's, we're becoming a big family. I've been homeschooling for over 20 years, took a little break and then realized I missed it. And it was, it just worked better for my kids. So we picked it back up and it has been an amazing adventure. And I even homeschooled my granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter for about two years that got started because of the pandemic. And I homeschooled her long distance. I was in South Carolina and she was in Kansas, but thankfully there's technology. (laughs) So we were able to utilize that to homeschool and that helped my daughter out who had had premature twins. So Previously, I was a child welfare worker, and I hold degrees in child development and business administration and certifications as a birth and bereavement doula and chaplain. I'm very eclectic, uh, both in my resume and my uh, homeschooling style. Then for several years, I was the owner and CEO of Army Wife Network and host of Army Wife Talk Radio. And then nowadays, like you said, I host the weekly podcast for homeschooling military families, the military homeschool podcast and co-host with my husband, a bi-weekly podcast history for Christian teens. I'm also a recurring writer for the old schoolhouse magazine, and I uh, pin a monthly blog for homeschooling families for army wife network. It's amazing. It's a lot of hoarding families, which we love. Yeah. I was reading through your bio on the Army Wives Network page and I was just like, oh my goodness, like you must have just a wealth of knowledge that you've (laughs) accumulated over the years, which is great. Say in the Army in general, right? (laughs) Not just. Right. But I'm still always learning, you know, Mm -hmm. so I've not arrived. I say, I always say (laughs) I've not arrived. I still learn and I always have a mentor everywhere I go. Well, I think that comes with the military life. It, things change so quickly. The names that they call things change every week. So yeah, you so always true. have to learn something to keep up with the times. So homeschooling has been pretty much how the way you've raised your kids. I know it's kind of becoming something that a lot of people are kind of coming around to because, because COVID has kind of pushed people in that direction. How did you decide that you guys were going to start homeschooling way back then? Oh, goodness. I have a little bit of background with homeschooling. Uh, Just a real quick, kind of a funny story. Back in the 80s when I was a kid and my aunt and uncle were considered rebels for keeping their daughter out of school. They loved to travel. He was former military and they just felt like life was kind of an adventure and they, they just traveled a lot. They did use curriculum with her, but we didn't understand that back then. And my family just thought they were such rebels. You know, why did they, what, how neglectful that they kept her out of school. And yet she is incredibly well-rounded, you know, she's an adult now with children, grown children of her own, incredibly well-rounded, intelligent, uh, runs her own business that she and her husband started that's very successful. And so I think she is proof to my family that homeschooling works. And then I was the up-and-coming rebel (laughs) and started homeschooling, but I didn't realize it was legal. So 
back in the year 2000, my, when I just had two kids, <laughs> I was just getting frustrated because my second daughter hated books, anything to do with books or school or reading and would cry every morning before she went to school. And then my oldest daughter was being bullied and I had talked to her teacher and we just couldn't really resolve that. And it was, she was being bullied by a boy and I just, she was only second grade, you know? And so just, I just started praying. I turned to my faith and started praying for an answer. And it's so funny. I was looking for something to listen to while I washed dishes and not into talk shows, but I was flipping through the channels. And in the afternoon, that's really about the only thing that was on. And Oprah just picked my interest because I heard her talking to a homeschool family and they were really portraying them very positively. And so two things struck me. One was that homeschooling, that they were showing them as this is a positive thing, this, you know, and, and uh, receiving them very positively, but also that it was legal. I didn't realize it was legal. So then it, I kind of just listened to it and thought, hmm. So I put it on the back burner in my mind and a day or two later, I was at Target and there was this book in the book section. It was something like 101 homeschooling questions answered. And I kind of picked it up. I was looking around, kind of picked it up and I flipped through it. And I thought, hmm, and I put it in my cart, but I kind of put it underneath some other things that I had in my cart. And I thought, oh, I really hope the clerk doesn't say anything about it when she's checking me out. And hilariously, <laughs> looking back now, I was horrified at the time. I was kind of embarrassed, but not horrified. She picked it up and she goes, do you homeschool? Very loudly. And I'm still struggling with, is it really legal? Can I really do that? And I said, well, no, I was just kind of interested. And she goes, Oh, my mom homeschooled my sister and she's going into college now and, and she's doing so well. And I always wished that I could have been homeschooled. And I thought, okay, is God trying to tell me something? <laughs> and so we ended up homeschooling that fall and haven't looked back. I mean, other than we go through seasons. And so we did take a short break where my kids were in school. My two youngest were in school for a little while, but uh, for about a year, but this has just become a lifestyle for us. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting that you were saying like, it's the rebel thing. And I think even now, a lot of families, the reason they don't go to homeschooling, even though they're really interested in doing it is because of that, like that thought of you're not doing what's right for your children. I know that even my mom is constantly like, are you sure? Like, you really want to continue to do that? Cause she was, she understood when COVID came around and then that time frame was fine. But now that I continue to homeschool, she's always like, I don't know. Are they getting everything they need? And it's just like that constant, like in the back of your head of someone else saying, is that enough? Is that what you should be doing? I think that still comes across, especially as a military family and all the changes we already put our kids through. So oh, that's so true. And a little bit, if you don't mind me interjecting, just uh, something to encourage you is with my two daughters that I had pulled out of public school. I worried the whole time because at first I was very rigid and structured. And, you know, tried to be a public school at home, but then life, you know, moves and life and then children came along and we adopted. And so then I ended up being a little bit more relaxed and very eclectic in my homeschooling style. And so then when my second daughter was like, mom, I really want to go to college. And my oldest daughter, she is so talented that she just, she did an apprenticeship and jumped right into a job that she loved. But my second daughter wanted to go to, to college. And I was like, oh, can we get her into college? And because she'd been homeschooled, and this has been a while, like 10, 12 years ago, maybe longer, um, she had, they wanted her to test and so they did a test to make sure that she could actually enter college. And not only did she, she do well on the test, but she earned a scholarship for one year from that. So it's like validation that we, we love our kids. And so we really do do the best we can for them. I know for myself as personally, I think I would have loved to have been homeschooled because I moved so much as a military kid. I mean, I went to a different high school every single year. And so for me, like 
if that had been an option, I probably would have been like, yes, that's totally fine. I don't need to go to school. Let me homeschool. And I think that's a great option for military families because there are MOSs that move consistently and it is hard on kids to change. So what, what caused you to kind of start your podcast? I mean, you have over 20 years of homeschooling. So that right there, you know, I think that's probably the longest I've known someone to homeschool. Really it's as a homeschooler and a military spouse, I discovered that while homeschooling is on the rise in the military community, there really wasn't anyone with insight into the military lifestyle that I had heard that was really talking about homeschooling in the military. And while homeschooling is in many ways the same across the board, whether you're a military family or civilian family, whatever your lifestyle, there are things that make it unique, I feel, in the military because it, we are so different. It's a different culture. And so my vision and heart for the Military Homeschool Podcast it's, is that moms and dads too who tune in each week will learn something new or gain a new perspective. In fact, we've even talked about how many times homeschoolers think once you're a homeschooler, always a homeschooler. But I find that in the military, maybe even even more, like you said, than in the civilian community. We go through seasons and we had a season where I did need to put my kids back in school for about a year, but it had become a lifestyle for us. And so for us, it worked, but there are others. And we did have a, a chaplain wife on that for her, they had always homeschooled, but her son wanted to go to high school. She and her husband realized, yep, yeah, he's very extroverted. He really wanted to be in serious team sports. And so they put him in high school and it's been a positive experience. You know, so you, you homeschool for a while, it is totally okay to put your kids in public school, private school. And, you know, it, we go through seasons, but my heart really is that everyone who listens to the podcast will be inspired and encouraged in their military homeschool journey and just really feel less alone and truly understood because I've been there. I get it. You know, military life is challenging. Homeschooling is challenging. Parenting is challenging. But my hope is that we'll build a community and get through it together. And that's really my heart for the podcast. Yeah, I think it's a great resource for military families because they have to know that there's a lot of changes too when you homeschool, when you move, because the transition of which state has what regulations, can I do the curriculum that we've been on? Does that work with that state? Because each state does have different regulations. So how do you adjust with that? I mean, I've never had to move with it and we are currently in the process of a PCS. So like, how do you adjust to moving to different locations and like different regulations? We do what I, I call a virtual recon. And first, I'll just kind of scout out the area. And the resource that I constantly recommend for this is HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, because they, they are a, a group of lawyers who are active in the homeschool community and with legislation, and they stay on top of the legalities of homeschooling, you know, all the laws in every state, and they have specific resources for military families as well. So you can homeschool even if you're PCSing overseas, you know, and so we usually check that out, find out if we have a choice, you know, if we get, oh, do you want to go here, here, or here? One of the first things I do is I go to HSLDA and I look up those areas to see what the laws are for those areas. And then, but it's legal in all 50 states and they tell you not only what the laws are, but how to follow the law for homeschooling in that area. So you mentioned overseas because that's where I am going and that's what I was curious about is uh, do you end up following the regulations of the state that you were last stationed in I'm not completely sure of, we've actually, we were Oconus, but it was Hawaii. Right. <laughs> so it's, you really call that overseas so much, but um, you can homeschool overseas and I'm not a lawyer. I would check out HSLDA, but I believe with military families, there's a regulation legislation. I'm not sure what it is called SOFA that will allow you to abide by U.S. homeschooling laws 
And I'm not sure what those are, but HSLDA should be able to help you with that. And we'll make sure that that gets in the show notes because that is definitely, even when you move from state to state, the differences is definitely a thing. <laughs> and right. I know that we're moving and we're talking about possibly putting them in the international school once we get there, just because it's an option that our kids would never have in a real world. Like I feel like being able to be with a whole bunch of students from across the world is a really cool opportunity outside of oh, homeschool. Yeah. So we are looking at that. And then now we have to think about how do we keep our records? Because in North Carolina, where we are, our records are very minimal. You just have to have your tests and basically your attendance records. So how to get back into school, like keeping records for that is going to be a different change and having to go back through our records and making sure it's what they need. And the great thing is, is HSLDA will actually help you with that as well. So, and if for members, they, members have access to an attorney that covers the area that they're at or going to be moving to. So it, it's a fantastic resource. And so the, another question kind of along those lines that maybe you would know is how do you homeschool through those huge transitions? I know like, it's not just the, where we're moving. It's just that time frame of like when our furniture is not here and everything's in chaos and how do we continue to try to keep some sort of routine where my kids can still focus on moving forward in education without getting like completely lost and confused in the hustle of it all. Oh, that's an awesome question. I found that with each of our PCSs, it was different. Some were more chaotic because they were further away or maybe more emotional or the time of year that we were PCSing. So I would just suggest that you take a break if you need to, you know, it's totally okay. And that's the neat thing about homeschooling. You know, if you're PCSing in the middle of January or October, you can take a break. You might be then homeschooling in June or July, but it's totally okay to take a break during that time. Also find other ways outside of books that minimal books to, because learning doesn't have to be a worksheet. A lot of times I would just bring literature or books that I wanted my kids to read. And so they would read and I might have them write a book report or tell me about it. And that would be a topic of dinner conversation. We'd also take lots of trips. One of the great things about PCSing is field trip right there, reconning the area that we're moving to, or even the travel along the way can be a great learning experience. So just think outside the box and be flexible. You don't have to look like a public school. You can do what works for your family and we're always changing and moving. And so that can change with each PCS And so that's the neat thing about homeschooling is we can be flexible. Yeah. And that's a lot of why I think we continue to homeschool. My husband works weird schedules and we do love traveling. So it's given us that opportunity that when he's off, we can just go do what we want to do. And we're not like stuck on the nine to five when the kids are at school kind of situation. We're able to go when kids are in public school to the fun vacation sites. And it's really worked well with our, our schedule as a, as a military family. Oh, so true. And the neat thing is, is it strengthens family bonds. You know, if your husband's getting ready to deploy, the kids can spend time with him, but also with having family all over the country. I love that we can travel and see friends and family. Our friend group grows with each PCS. It seems like, so we can travel when the airfare is cheaper or when my husband's able to take leave and we're not tied to a school schedule. Mm-hmm. So another thing that a lot of people talk about, I guess, when it comes to homeschool is socializing. And I, you know, everybody has that stigma when you first go in, I've learned very quickly, that's not the case. I mean, let alone with deployed love, we have our social events. So my kids are around kids all the time. But I feel like that community has changed a lot, especially as a military community. I think we have a lot more resources when it comes to like co-ops and stuff as we move. So true. Socialization is, we weren't allowed to talk much in school. You know, it would have to be outside of school hours anyway. That is, I'm a natural introvert and so are my kids. And so that is something that we have struggled with. But over the years, we've learned that there's ways to socialize. Doesn't have to be the kids with their same age group. In fact, them interacting with Older children, younger children, adults helps them to be more well-rounded. We found friends through our neighbors. Living on a military base is a great way to make friends because we're all kind of like-minded, whether you homeschool or public school, whatever. It's a great way to make friends that way. 
joining a homeschool group or co-op, PWOC, churches, a lot of military bases have school liaisons and homeschool programs that are amazing. I know I really loved our school liaison when we lived at Fort Hood, and she always organized a different homeschool curriculum fair, get-togethers, coffees with the parents, different things like that. So look to your ACS or MWR too. A lot of times they will have things for homeschooling families. And then social media, connect. I always connect the social media of a group that's in the area where I'm going and go ahead and get that connection. And if I can, I often stay connected with where I've been because you just start to make friends. And so that's a great way of staying connected. And so um, we just, our friendship circle has grown and grown over the years and it's been amazing. Yeah, I think there's a lot of options. I know that here at Fort Bragg where we are is there's tons of co-ops, but there's a lot that I'm, we don't really do the co-op life. We have very, like you were saying, very eclectic with our learning. So like our things are very different than a lot of people do. We don't follow any super strict curriculums. But we do like to go on the field trip type co-op. So we, we've joined a couple groups where they, it's a good chance for our kids to get around the same kids and go do super fun things like the zoo. And we just do the museum um, and science stuff. So it's a good place to start looking is to look for those kind of groups. Even if it's just a homeschool meetup group, they could lead you to the right co-op because you can meet these people and kind of see like, who's in that co-op? Would I get along with that person before you just show up to co-ops? Because a lot of co-ops do cost money. And I wouldn't want to like, sign up for one, not knowing whether you would fit in. So it's good to kind of like talk to people in the community about it. For families who are potentially looking at starting homeschooling, what would be some top suggestions on how to determine if homeschooling is the right fit? When I view it to figure out what's best for my child is where will my child succeed the most? Like, will they succeed in a school setting, that very structured time or having that flexibility of being at home Um, So what are some of your top tips? I would say, like you said, listen to your children because you know them best and you know if they would thrive in a homeschool setting. Also, what time can you devote? You know, if you're working outside the home, it may not be feasible or there may be a way, a workaround. So, you know, what can you devote to that? Do you feel that you would be able to be organized enough to consistently homeschool. While we talk about it being flexible and we can be more relaxed, honestly, and this is probably not the popular thing to say, it does take some devotion. You have to commit the time to homeschooling your kids and making sure that they're doing their schoolwork and grading and knowing what they're learning and making sure that they are getting the courses they need, you know, it all depends on their grade level, but it, it does take some uh, organization and commitment and also knowing if you can legally homeschool. And I say that because while it's um, legal in all 50 states, there are requirements in some states. So if you feel you're not going to be able to complete the paperwork or In some states, you need a GED or high school diploma at minimum. And, you know, if you don't have that, you may not be able to. Then can you afford it? Homeschooling, there are a lot of free resources, but it can be a little expensive. But so can sending your child to public school because then there's the, you know, all the extras they need. And and my kids always needed clothes, the the name brand clothes to fit in with the other kids at school and school luncheons and stuff like that. So, and then also one more thing that I think is probably top importance is, are you and your spouse on the same page? Because if your husband or, or wife isn't on the same page, then I would say, don't do it. Because if you're both not on the same page, it's going to add stress to yourself and to your kids. Homeschooling is very worthy, but it's not worth causing more stress on your family. Yeah, I think that's important to know. I think that's just important to know on any major life decision that both parents should be on board with that decision or at least have that conversation with why you want to homeschool. Like, you know, I know in a lot of areas, I mean, Fort Bragg, Fort Bragg doesn't have 
the very best school systems. Like you have one school system that's really good, but a lot of people can't afford to live in that school system. So um, I noticed personally here, a lot of people are, are choosing to homeschool because they don't feel that the school systems are adequate enough. Even though I'm, I'm a firm believer that you have to be an advocate for your child's education, whether you are homeschooling or in the school system, you have to ask them what they're doing, make sure they're on the right track, talk to the teachers. As you move forward and you are making those decisions, make a checklist. I think that's the best way. Like that's what I do. Like when we're making a big major decision, we make a checklist of pros and cons, figure out what's best and go from there. I, I thought about homeschooling, COVID hit and and it opened my eyes that that was not the right fit for us. It might be the right fit for my daughter. My daughter is very different in the sense of her learning and she's, she'll sit down and do school, but Teflin was not that way. It literally was a fighting match to get him to do schoolwork. Obviously that could have changed a little bit. I feel like, you know, that was like, Hey, like all we have to do is this for like, you know, two hours a day and then you're done for the entire day. I think having the school system schedule during virtual learning was part of our issue, but I know that he thrives around being around people. He gets bored easy. And so having the attention of others and being able to like feed off other people is how he thrives, you know, down the road that could change. And I think that's what's really cool about homeschooling is you can be flexible. You can be like, Hey, we're going to homeschool at this space, but next space, or, you know, in a year you can go to the middle school or you can go to the high school or you have the choice. I think it's important to leave it up to the kids too, though. I don't, obviously like you have to do what's best for your kid's education, but, you know, having that opportunity, like if your child comes up and says, mom, I want to go to high school. I want to go. I think it's a conversation that has to be had with the child or the student and not just make that decision for them because it is a very different experience. That's so true. And especially as they get older, if they haven't bought into it, you know, so to speak, if they aren't committed to homeschooling, they're not wanting to do that, then you're, it's going to be a struggle all year. Yeah. I think especially the ones that come in at high school, thinking that that's going to be the perfect transition um, because high school can be when a lot of bullying and that kind of stuff that you will start to encounter. But I do think it's important that you have that conversation because there's other options. It doesn't have to be public school. You know, you can look at private schools. You can even look at virtual school. So it doesn't have to fall on your shoulders if you're having problems at your school. We talked about that in the last podcast about look at other schools in your community. How can you get them transferred over to a, a school that will fit? There's a lot of options. You don't have to go homeschool out when you're just having one issue. Like that's not always going to be the solution to the problem. Yeah. And like, we say this all the time, do your due diligence, like do your own research. Don't just go off of what like two or three other people say on a post on Facebook. Like you have to do your own research. You have to go tour the facility, look at the curriculum yourself, make sure that you're picking what's right for you and your family and not based off of what other people experience. Because especially working in like the customer service industry, like you can have one bad experience and that's the only thing you're going to think of, but you're never going to, people always talk about the bad. They never really talk about the good. Just take everything with a grain of salt and do your own research and find those different fits. Cause I mean, there are so many different things things that you can, you can use. Yeah. And I think that falls back into the same with homeschool. Do your research on curriculums too. I, there's some out there that are very heavily pushed by other homeschoolers, but they may not be a good fit for you. So making sure that you're like going to a homeschool fair or going to a homeschool store and kind of looking at those things, maybe taking a couple samples home to see what your kids like too, because some of that, like we started with a certain curriculum that my kids hated it. Cause it was very like, circular curriculum and they were not understanding the concepts before it moved on to the next concept. And it was just like, not a fit for us. And a lot of people were doing that. They said it was a, like very free flow type curriculum and we were struggling. And it, I, that was the first year. And I was like, I can't, we can't quit this. We've already started this. Like we have to do this curriculum. And then I was like, no, we can't do this. Like you have to be able to also look at that on yourself, like test it. Mm -hmm. You don't, it's not permanent. Like you can, there's so many options and be able to like find the right fit. That's so true. And it's important too, to, re to think about your own teaching style. You know, there, there may be a curriculum that would be great for your kids, but you just don't have the time to be that hands-on. You know, my daughter is very artsy, craftsy, but I just could not teach some of those because I'm not. And so you have to kind of find something that works for your lifestyle, you know, how you teach your personality and the time that you have to put into it. But like you said, 
in the military, I think we know better than maybe anybody that with any problem, there's always a solution somewhere, you know, and there's not a one size fits all. And that includes homeschooling. Yeah, I think that the curriculum becomes such a huge conversation in homeschool groups because it's it's easier to fall into a, a curriculum that everybody else is doing because then you have people doing it with you, but it may just not be a really good fit. And some of those bigger ones are a lot more public school-esque, like they follow very much timelines and you are doing specific subjects all every day. And for me, that was way too overwhelming. I needed something where we were a lot more flexible. We do just language arts on one day, we do math on the next day. We don't ever do all the subjects in one day because that my kids, by the time we got through that, we're like, I don't want to be here anymore. So finding what is good for you, but for some families that may be that structure, they need to sit down and they need to go set a clock that we're doing language arts until 10. And then we're doing math until 11. So looking at how your family functions, if your kids need structure, then by all means do that. But if your kids are more willing to sit down and just get it done and be done for the rest of the day, which my kids love that the kids get home from school, the neighborhood kids, and they want to be outside ready to play when they get home. So just got to kind of look for how your family functions as well. So true. So do you have any other military specific type tips for like the families that are doing homeschool and maybe just getting started? Military specific. One piece of advice, if it's okay that I share this is I have loved to tell parents, please don't compare yourself or your child to other homeschoolers or the public school system or the neighbor. It's been said that comparison is the thief of joy. And that is so true. You know, like what you were saying is you've got to find what works for your child and also what works for you and your family and then go with it confidently, you know, make changes as needed, but refuse to compare yourself or your children to others. And I feel like that will help you keep your sanity as you homeschool. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because like, I agree with that 1000%. I get even like in, not even in school-based, like every child is different. I mean, my own two children are completely different. Never ask is my child where I should be? They are there where they are. If they need extra help, they need extra help, but they're going to get where they need to be at some point, whether it takes them a little longer, whether they're a lot faster, every child does something different. And I think that's, I'm so glad you said that because it's so important, especially with education, because parents are always like, well, this person already knows this. And, you know, my child's struggling or things like that. And it's just, it could be so frustrating for the parent, but the children too, they hear it. And then they start questioning their worth and they don't need that. I just read a quote today on Facebook. It was something along the lines of like, you're, when he or a child gets a job, they're not going to care when he learned to read, but that he learned to read. So it doesn't really matter that timeline, as long as by the time they're adults, they know that stuff. That's, that's the most important part. That's so true. You know, with my children, I've had five, they each walked at a different time, learned to crawl at a different time. You know, they're so different. And then my oldest daughter has twins, boy, girl twins. And that has been interesting because they're both two, but the girl is Paisley and she is really good at the more fine motor skills and she's very nurturing and she'll make sure she kind of takes care of her brother, even though he's several minutes older, but then Jensen is, he has really grasped the gross motor skills. He was the first one to walk and the first one to run and the first one to throw the ball. So age and even gender does not mean that they're all going to learn at the same time. They're all so unique. And when we see our children as unique, then we really can celebrate them. And it's freeing when we don't compare. Yeah, I think that would be like the one thing I wish, like if we did do homeschooling, I would, the opportunity to like showcase the kids uniqueness, like you could cater, like, obviously you don't want to do two different types of curriculum, but my son is very artsy. Like he loves drawing. He loves creating anything and everything that he can get his hands on boxes, everything he just loves to create. And he doesn't get a lot of that at school. And so I find like his schoolwork a lot of times has like little drawings on it, of like dinosaurs, things like that. And I'm like, but were you paying attention? And he does. So it would be nice to have that like flexibility be like, okay, like we're going to make your work a little bit more creative. Like we're going to do this. And then Claire is very like, 
A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Like she's very kind of by the book. She's still really young. So to me, like her creative side could come out or her different learning style can, but I think that's one of the unique things about homeschooling is you can, you can choose to let their uniqueness blossom a lot more than probably yeah. what they would get in a public school. There's a lot more opportunity for extracurricular. Like we're not, you know, we get the rest of the day. We have all afternoon to do what they like. So my daughter obviously has picked up sewing. And so we have a chance for her to sit down and learn to sew because it's not interfering with when I need to do dishes and cook dinner and all the stuff, you know, the end of your day includes because we're done with school usually by noon. And so then we had this nice quiet gap of time before the neighbor kids come home that she was like, Hey, I want to learn how to make scrunchies. And we've been learning how to make scrunchies. So it gives them an opportunity to follow their interests as well. Um, because there's so much more time in the day, I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. My kids, my two youngest are really musical. And so they've been able to explore piano and guitar and violin and, oh, and drums. My son had to do the drums. <laughs> it actually turned out better than I had thought. I was a little worried. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness for electronic drums where you can turn the volume down a bit. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I think that if we didn't have that extra time, I would have been just running myself ragged trying to get them them to lessons and then and sports and and different activities so that is the, a big blessing of homeschooling to me yeah because I'm already like oh, we're not doing soccer this season like we don't like we're not adding another night to our night schedule right now like let's first do a whole semester and then we'll talk about it type of thing and um, I don't know how parents who have kids in public school or private school who are in school all day and then they do all of their activities after school Cause like one night a week is already like a lot for me when we're not getting home until nine o'clock at night. So kudos to all of you who do that and are your personal, your children's personal chauffeurs. But yeah, that being music classes or dance classes or gymnastics, things like that, that are really a part of your lifestyle. Homeschooling is a great opportunity to do those type of things and still get the education they need. I think that later. falls under the like listening to what your kids need because I think honestly, if you have a child who's incredibly talented at something, that's a great opportunity for you to pull them from public school, be able to focus more on that thing. And their schools can be at different hours because that's cool about homeschool is you could do, we've done it many nights where we're busy all day. We do homeschool right before bed. So it does give you that opportunity. If you know, for sure, that's something your child is very into, especially when it comes to high school, they can get a head start on college. They can get a head start on a lot of things if that's where they're interested. So even if they are like, I love being in public school, but you can really see that they're pushing towards something. It'd be a great opportunity to be like, Hey, there's this other option where we could focus on what you're interested in, but also get your education. Oh, so true. My oldest daughter really loves animals. And so when she was in high school, I, I had just was, I was talking to our veterinarian one day when I had my dogs in there and, and she said, well, uh, maybe Stephanie could come along and just kind of volunteer for me. She, she was 15 at the time, so she couldn't legally be hired, but she could volunteer. And so that's how she started her apprenticeship is she started by volunteering. The vet needed her there during the day. So she would go for a few hours in the morning and then she would do her schoolwork in the afternoon and then kind of finish up some in the evening. And that was such an amazing benefit because she was able to do that, which eventually worked into working for her. And then after she turned 16 and then doing school at home, and she was able to become a vet tech by studying under her and, and taking some courses, even while she was still in homeschool high school. So by the time she graduated, she was a vet tech. She just pursued her love of animals. Yeah, that's an amazing thing that can happen. And I've seen even kids that graduate at 16 from high school through homeschool because they didn't need that lower level stuff. So they started, we were able to advance them a lot quicker where public school, a lot of it just stays at your age level. And it, it kind of is hard to get your kids advanced in public school situations where they're like, no, they need to stay with their peers. No, they need to test out kind of thing. There are some advantages. I think if you especially have kids that are excelling, <laughs> you could also, it's a good way to bring them into this and test them out of age levels and get them to where they want to be because you don't want a kid stuck at school who's bored all day either. 
Yeah. It's not, it's not fun for teachers. It's not fun for them. It's not fun for their classmates. Cause I mean, I know with my son, like when he gets bored, he starts acting out, he starts being goofy. And so I think that it's a great way to flexibility and that you can start this at any time and go back to school or you've been in school for the entire time and you decide to go to homeschooling. Like that's, what's great about it. And I think that's, what's great about for military families, because we do move often. We do move to places that we're not so sure about. So biggest thing is do what's best for you. Yeah. I think it's an interesting conversation. Just kind of hearing there's so many different reasons to homeschool. I think there's a lot of like, people think it's just religious people or just people who are antisocial or people who, I don't know, hate public school or what. There's so many reasons. It doesn't that we hate public school. I mean, it just, we, my kids went to public school and it wasn't that we hated the school. It was just, this worked better for our family. Um, once we'd started doing it, we realized this was what fit with our family. So there's a lot of reasons that people do school at home. And I think with COVID, it's also coming a lot more publicly accepted. I, I do feel like there are still a lot of those older generations who are like question, like why, like, you know, that's what school's for. That's why we have teachers. So I think that was kind of, again, one of the other benefits of COVID was allowing this conversation for people to have about homeschooling and how it can be a benefit and how it can be successful for a lot of families. Cause like, I probably only knew two families growing up that were homeschooled. Like, and I only knew about that because we lived overseas and they were on our sports team. So overseas, they allowed, because we lived overseas, they were allowed to join our sports team at the high school. And so that's the only reason I knew who they were because like they came in and did cross country and soccer with us before that. I, I think I knew one other family who did homeschooling. And so now it's actually talked about, like, you know, I, I guess almost every week, at least minimum, I see one to two posts asking about like co-ops or curriculum or, you know, does anyone homeschool? Like, you know, what do you think type of thing? And it's definitely much more talked about, which is good because that's an option for families, military or not, that people need because some people thrive better when they have this option to be flexible. For sure. And I know that pre-COVID, there was like two to three million homeschooled families in the United States, and it's jumped since then. And it's growing by about 13% a year And that's actually more among the military families. And so I don't have my statistics in front of me, but the National Home Education Research Institute follows the trends and it is growing exponentially in the United States post-COVID. Yeah, and I I can see why that would be possible with military families because it does give you some consistency. I know that even from DOD to DOD schools, the curriculum looks different. Some schools, I know Ashley talked about in our last podcast was that she had missed a certain section of a grade level because when she transferred to another school, yeah, they had done this curriculum backwards. And so she had missed that part. And I think that that probably happens more often than is talked about because kids moving from new states every three years, you do have to change curriculum. You do. And you never know which state does certain things at different grade levels. And I mean, even thinking just like simple things like history, like what they learned Mm -hmm. in first grade history here might be what they learned in second grade history there. And then the repeating stuff like or being in classes with like, like, you know, like for me, my senior year, like I, I had to take a, I had to take a freshman and sophomore class because it was a required class for the state that I lived in, but I hadn't taken it because I went to different school. I mean, we knew we were going to move every single year in my high school. You know, my freshman year, I was at a school I had been at for three years. My sophomore year, we were at the Command Sergeant Majors Academy. We knew that was only going to be a school year long. And then we moved back overseas. And then we found out that the base was closing. So we were only going to be there a year. And so if I had even known that was like a conversation or even something that I could potentially do, I would have 100% had been like, can I be homeschooled? Um, It just gives you that consistent, like knowing that throughout the whole the whole time you'd be learning in a scale, like you're trying to go, you're trying to reach something versus like, where are we on that, that scale? And that's what happened to us is when I won't give where we were at, but we were at a duty station where I thought it'd be really cool for them to be in school. And they wanted to, it was my two youngest, they had never been in public school. And so we put them in school. Then I started seeing that that school system was behind the one that I, where I knew the one that we had come from was, and I thought, oh, 
I wonder if that's what's going to happen when we PCS. Will they be behind if they go in, if they decide to continue in public school when we go to the next duty station? Then they just realized they were bored, you know, and then there was a different way that they taught math there that they couldn't grasp. And I'm not even sure what the method was, but they were really struggling with grasping that. And so long story short, and we were also in an area that didn't really welcome the military. Mm. So um, that kind of added to it. And so we pulled them out at their request, actually, and um, homeschooled them the next year. And I had them, I did have them stick it out for a year. I was like, well, let's try it for a whole year. You know, sometimes it can be rough getting started, but try it for a whole year. But they were like, no, we're, we're bored. And they were worried about becoming behind because they already knew most of that, most of the stuff that, that was being taught. And then the math was confusing them. So that's why we stuck with homeschooling is because I didn't have to worry about them falling behind or getting bored. And it was consistent. Yeah. And I think that that's really what kids need is to make sure you have some sort of consistency. And even if that's what public school is, but making sure like Ashley's always saying, advocate for your child and see where they are. Because if you feel like that school is behind, that's where you bring that potential to like, Hey, can we get advanced classes? Can I help move my child up? Because they've learned this kind of thing. So you need to advocate to make sure your child is going consistently forward and not just sitting there in some stale state where they're like completely bored out of their minds. Yeah. Well, and like, and especially like if they're in like an actual school, like, you know, every teacher has a different teaching style and that teaching style may not match with your kid. You know, I know Devlin thrived very well with like the more creative type of teaching style. Whereas the one where it was just like, okay, we're going to do writing and that's all you're going to do. Like he hated it. He, I mean, he's a boy, he hates writing. Like, and that's why it was so difficult during COVID, during the online online because that's all they could do is like okay well here's your writing assignment complete it and it was just like but what are they learning from this like in the kindergarten I felt that they were doing writing assignments at a second grade level and they're like oh no this is really common I'm like how is how is having like a five like five sentence paragraph a kindergarten level like they don't even know how to spell like how are you expecting them to write literally like, you know, today we read the book XYZ and the main character was XYZ. And, you know, I learned this and I didn't like this. Like that's, that was our writing assignments. And it was blowing my mind because I'm just like, how is this age appropriate? They don't even know how to write, let alone spell words. Like, you know, they didn't start learning to spell words, like having spelling tests until till first grade. So it was blowing my mind. This teacher was running things and there was no creative outlet. There was nothing. So I kind of felt that was also kind of like, I feel like kindergarten is a very creative grade and mm-hmm. there just really was none of that. And so like, I struggled that whole year. Like I was like, I, he's behind. He's, you know, he should be learning to read. They're not doing anything with reading. They should be learning like how to write their letters better. They were using their fingers on the iPad and it was just, it was it was really hard to worry that they weren't going to be prepared. And I worried for nothing. My son's fine. He did great last year. He reads books. Like I don't even, and I didn't even sit down and read with him. Like he just, he picks up things really easily when he wants to. So, you know, it might not be the best school system. I also know what's best for my kid. And I know that, you know, I have to speak with the school myself to make sure that he gets what he needs. And I think everybody who is making those decisions, that's what you have to do. Whether you talk to the school or you're talking to your child or you're doing that homeschool, you have to just make sure what fits with you. Like I work full-time, like homeschooling wouldn't be very, I mean, I would literally would have to figure out how to make that work with me working, trying to focus and doing my task on, on my computer at home while making sure they still do their work appropriately and are retaining that information the correct way. I definitely think that it could be for everybody, but it might not be for everybody. So you have to just kind of take that and do your research. I think I, I think I say this all the time, like you have to do your own research and find what fits best for you. Exactly. And really, and that's one of the things we say about homeschooling. We homeschool because we don't want 
our children to be put into a box. So to say that homeschooling is for everybody isn't a fair thing to say because you've got to work, you do what is right for you and your family. And every season can be so different. So what looks right for your family this year may not work next year, you know? And the other thing, like you said, with parental involvement, whatever you're doing, whether you're homeschooling or sending your child to school or virtual schooling is so key because you've got to advocate for your child. But I I just think that to say that once a homeschooler, always a homeschooler is just not fair because it, it kind of makes us feel like we're boxed in. And that's why we homeschool is we don't want to be boxed in. So normally how we usually finish off, especially when we have a guest who is a military spouse or military affiliated, we do ask them, um, what is your one, if you had to give one piece of advice to a fellow military spouse, what would it be? And it can be whatever it is. It could be school related, or it could just be in general. You do have a really long line of being in the military associated. So um, what would you say would be that one piece of advice? Mm, That's a good question. I would suggest I think it goes back to comparison. We as military spouses compare ourselves to the the other spouses in our husband's unit or in the spouse's club or whatever. And then we lose something in the experience. And so you've got to do what's right for you and be who you are. And I can remember when my husband and I first got married, I was so nervous because he was already established in his career. And he said, just be you, be who you are. So I went into everything with humor. You know, I'm I'm new. I don't know the acronyms. I don't speak army yet. And that was endearing because I was just me. And that's how I approach things. And then the other I would have to say is then in turn, give grace generously to fellow, you know, our sister military spouses, because um, we're all in this together and we need each other. And so just build that community and care about each other and don't judge and don't compare. Yes. And I think that's, it's not funny that you say that, but it is funny because you probably are fourth or fifth guest who that's been their top recommendation to another military spouse is give grace and, and, and don't hold judgment and, and be there for other people. And I know we've talked about it as well on other podcasts during our girl chats and stuff. And so I think it's important because you do see a lot of that and you see a lot of people who are just like, I don't want nothing to do with other military spouses. And because of the different types of things that they see, um, I don't think social media helps. I think back in the day when we first started being military spouses, at least for myself, social media wasn't as big as it is nowadays. And so I liked that part back then because it was, you had to force yourself to introduce yourself and have that one-on-one communication. So, and I think that's important as well in general, like, you know, having to like, don't hide behind your screen and make sure that you are portraying yourself, how you would portray yourself in person as well. So I love that advice. I love that it's continuously the same advice we get across the board, because I hope that it just drills that into everybody who's listening's brains that, you know, we're all here. We're all in this together, no matter you whether you think it or not, we all go through similar experiences. Some go through a lot worse. Some go through nothing at all in the sense of the chaos in the military life. And so having that connection can be really beneficial if only you take that leap of faith and put yourself out there. Well, I want to say a huge thank you to you, Crystal, for coming on and kind of giving our audience a chance to kind of learn a little bit more about homeschool and how that works with the military family. And I do recommend that you guys all go look at her podcast. We will make sure it's in the show notes. So you guys can get to that, especially if you're interested in homeschooling and you want a little bit more information, she does have a lot of episodes to go through and listen to. So that's fantastic. Stay tuned for next month. Next month, we are on to mental health month. So we'll be talking a little bit about uh, mental health and self-care. So it should be some pretty good episodes coming up and we look forward to talking to you guys again soon. As we like to say, rock up, buttercup.